Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the last great day, the eighth day, and what a feast that it has been and always is, because God's Word is always new, it's always ancient, it's always true, it's always right, and all of the opinions of all men everywhere are null and void. Now, let's come to Leviticus 23, because this is where God has listed all of his holy days, and we've progressed through the year, Sabbath after Sabbath, and then right through, beginning with Passover, Unleavened Bread, Pentecost, Trumpets, Atonement, Feast of Tabernacles, and now the last great day. And this is a mystery of God revealed. Leviticus 23, we'll just rehearse the verses that cover the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, if you want to know how important it is, you go to Numbers 28 and 29 and look at the number of sacrifices that were given during this time. It's extraordinary. And all of them have meaning concerning what God is going to do spiritually in fulfilling the Feast of Tabernacles and especially the last great day. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. And we just finished that. First day's holy convocation. You shall do no servile work. Seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, because God is going to reveal the secret of this day, which affects all mankind, all the way down through the history of men. Now we're to proclaim these, and we do. Now, we're going to take up an offering. So we will go ahead and take that up at this time. And then I'm going to present the rest of this to people who have never heard about the last great day or the meaning of it. And in it, it will cover everything we need to know for us for the last great day. So let's go ahead and take a pause, and we'll take up the offering. Greetings, everyone. This is Fred Coulter. A great mystery of God revealed. What is that? All men and all women, everyone wants to know what happens when people die. 
Nearly every religion says you go to heaven, but the Bible says clearly in the words written by the apostle John that no one has ascended to heaven except the Son of Man who came down from heaven. So let's ask a question as we go along here. Do you believe God? Do you believe Jesus Christ? Do you believe the Word of God? Now, there are many translations out there, so it gets real confusing. That's why we have the Bible, the Holy Bible, in its original order. The only Bible in English ever printed that has all the books of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, in their original order. And this is necessary because Jesus said, now I want you to listen carefully, and as I ask these questions, I want you to answer honestly for yourself. What did Jesus say when he was tempted of Satan the devil? The very first thing, the devil came along and said, If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Well, what was Jesus' answer? And this is absolutely true. Man. That means men and women shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, if you're a Protestant or if you're a Catholic, you are told many different things doing away with large portions of the Bible. You are told that the Old Testament is for the Jews. Wrong. You are told that souls go to heaven. Wrong. You are told there's an ever-burning hell. Wrong. You are told that Sunday is a day sanctioned by the Bible. Wrong. You are told that the holidays of this world are sanctioned by God. Wrong. Now, you need this book that we have, Occult Holidays or God's Holy Days, which we will send it to you no cost. Now, I want to ask another question of you. Do you suppose that you have believed a lot of lies concerning the Bible? A lot of lies concerning Sabbath, Sunday, holidays, holy days. Have you? Do you believe the lie that the Bible wasn't wasn't canonized until the second century AD? Wrong. The Bible shows internally that it was canonized by Peter, Paul, and John. Now then, 
What else do you believe? Do you believe that the Bible had been published in every language possible so that it is right near to understanding for everyone if they would believe God and believe his word. So if now you're a little bit upset, you need to consider this. Then when you really know the Bible, which you don't, and you really understand what the words are as they were inspired to be written and believed, 95% of what you're taught in Protestantism and Catholicism are lies. And overlaid with human tradition. So if you believe God, do you believe this about God? Let's come back here to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. The Apostle Paul, a lot of people like the Apostle Paul, but you see, they don't understand the difficult scriptures that Paul wrote. And hence, they think the law is done away. Well, if the law is done away, then you don't exist. Now, speaking of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. But that doesn't mean we don't have works. We must do the works of God. By what? Living by every word of God, as Jesus said. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the ages of time. So you see, God looks at things time-wise different than we do. Now, let's expose the one of the greatest sins of theologians, priests, pastors, evangelists, cardinals, and popes. Let's come to Titus, the first chapter. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and a knowledge of the truth. Now, Jesus said, the word of God is truth. Do you believe that? And it properly translated, it carries the same force as the original. But unfortunately, there are so many bad translations out there and so many false things taught that most people do not know. Okay? Knowledge of the truth. The word of God is the truth. That is according to godliness in the hope of eternal life. Now, how do we get eternal life? Since no one has ascended to heaven, all of the relatives that, that you have gone to their funerals and they said, well, they're in heaven right now looking down and at us and they're very happy that have, we're all here. Really? 
when there's an open casket showing the person there. See, because the Bible says, now listen carefully. You believe the Bible? You believe the word of God? It says, the soul that sins shall die. And it also says, at death, our thoughts perish. But our spirit goes back to God. Now, we'll find out why the spirit goes back to God a little later. But there's a reason. And everyone who has lived in died. That spirit has gone back to God. And we will see for what a great purpose that that is. And that God is not going to consign people to an ever-burning hell. And God is not going to consign them to heaven because heaven is coming to the earth. Now, you may have never heard of all of these things in your life, so just hold on because a great mystery of God Revealed is the topic I'm going to cover. So stay with it to the end. Even though you might be upset because you've never heard anyone say anything like this. Verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, now notice carefully, who cannot lie. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the word of God is the truth of God from the God of truth? Well, men wrote it, so how can we trust it? Well, you think God is so weak and powerless that he can't cause men to write what he wants them to write? Of course he can. And God gave us this word. And it was preserved and canonized by Peter, Paul, and John. Okay? Which God who cannot lie promised before the ages of time. But has revealed it in his own set time the proclamation of his word with which I was entrusted according to the commandments of God, our Savior. Now that says a lot, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now let's look and see. We're told that none of the wicked will understand the word of God, Daniel, the 12th chapter. But we're also told that the wise shall understand. And who are the wise? The wise are the ones who love God and keep his commandments. Okay. So Jesus said to his disciples, that they were given to understand the mysteries of God, but not the world. Okay? 
Now, why is that? Because the world wants to trust in its own philosophies, its own theories, it, and trust in men rather than trust in God. And Paul writes that the wise of this world have rejected the truth of God and that their wisdom is foolishness with God. So think about all the great theologians that are praised in the Catholic Church and in the Protestants. Huh? Okay. Let's see what God says here. Okay. Come back here to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now you will notice that in everything we are covering, we are using the word of God. We are not using any theories of men. And we are going scripture to scripture to scripture to put it together so that we then will understand the mystery of God, which is a great mystery, and how he has revealed it. Okay? Here we go. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 7. Rather, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, mystery to the world, but open to those who love God and keep his commandments and understand it. So I'm going to try and bring this to you so that you will have the desire to understand it and to believe what the scriptures really say. Even the hidden wisdom that God foreordained before the ages unto our glory. Again, God has a plan. He is working it out, and it's all contained in the Bible. But we will see in a minute how to understand what's in the Bible. Because you can't pick it up and read it like a novel. So let's go on. Now notice, which none of the rulers of this world have known. None of them. Why? Because they've all followed the fallen angel, Satan the devil, who comes as an angel of light and leads them into darkness. Look at all the things that they're doing in archaeology today to try and find out how long has the earth been, how long have men been here, what did they worship, what did they do, what did they find, and the whole thing shows that everything that man does, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, whatever age you live in, death happens to all. And only the word of God tells us how God is going to overcome death. So hang on. Verse 9, But according as it is written, The eye is not seen, the ear is not heard, neither is it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those that love him. 
Now, I want you to think about this verse. There are a lot of people who claim God's love is unconditional. Well, we will see that is also a lie. God's law is everlasting, not unconditional. We'll see that. So hang on, because you need to open up your mind and your heart to understand, do you really want the truth of God as it really is, or do you want your own ideas about it, which then will lead you astray? What is it that you want? And then you can also ask another question. Do you really want salvation God's way? And when you stop and think about it, there is no other way. Only God's way. So we'll talk about that in a little bit as we get this mystery being revealed. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. But God, okay, God does something, not to everyone, as we will see. But God has revealed them to us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The deep things of God revealed in a mystery, and understood and explained from the Bible. For who among man understands the things have been except by the spirit of man which is in him? Everybody has consciousness. Everybody has life. Everybody can think. Everybody can have all kinds of ideas. But unless you have the ideas and truth of God, in your heart and in your mind, you will never understand the Bible. It's that simple. Okay? In the same way also, the things of God no one understands except by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is truth. And the Spirit of God is His power. And the Spirit of God is what leads us Okay? Now we'll see that in a little bit here. So just hang on. Don't get mad at me. Just relax and think about, have I really understood God? Or have I been misled? And if you've been misled, that means you've been lied to and if you've been lied to and you believe it, you believe lies. You don't believe God, but you think you do. Let's go on here. Verse 12. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is of God, so that we might know that things graciously given to us by God. Okay? We might know. God wants you to know. Do you want to know the truth of God? Are you willing to give up the things that you may 
treasure so greatly or think that you have salvation or think that you have been born again or think that you're right with God or think that Sunday and holiday keeping is okay with God when God says those are pagan days to Satan the devil. Maybe you've never heard it put that way. That's what it is. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom. You understand that? The smartest people in the world do not understand the truth of God. They may have good philosophy according to the world, and be well thought of according to the world is intelligent, but unless they actually keep the word of God, and as Jesus said where we first started, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Okay? Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Holy Spirit, in order to communicate spiritual things by spiritual means. Okay? That's what we're going to do. And a spiritual means is by the word of God. No other way. And we're going to answer the question, what is God's answer for all of those who died? And never heard anything about Jesus Christ because he didn't come until roughly 2,000 years ago. So that means down through the history of man, nobody knew about Jesus Christ. Had God written them all off? Or does he have a plan to also offer them salvation? even though at the present time they're dead. See, no philosophy can answer that. No religion can answer that. Only the word of God. All right? And here's why. Verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, are you ready to set aside all your thoughts about Christianity and listen to the Word of God? Are you willing to listen to the inspired words of Christ as recorded in the book of John? Are you? And are you willing to admit where you are wrong and understand the truth? See, because you can't understand the truth of the Bible until you understand that the way of man can't understand it on his own. You need the Spirit of God. And that's what Jesus is talking about here in John 14. So we're going to look at some scriptures now that Jesus gives so that we can understand spiritually what God is doing. 
So let's read it. And as we do, I want you to ask yourself the question, do you do this? Okay. Let's start in verse 15. John 14 and verse 15. Jesus said, first person, quote, recorded by John, the one that Jesus loved. Do you think he would write anything that wasn't truth? Do you think he would put down anything that God did not inspire him to put down? Of course not. There's what Jesus said. If you love me, all right, that clause right there, if, means the choice is up to each one of us. And how are we to love God? Well, Jesus explained that, that this is the love of God, the greatest commandment, that we love him with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, with all of our being. This is the first and greatest commandment. Do you do that? That's what this four-word phrase means. Do you love me? And furthermore, Jesus came to reveal the Father. Do you love God the Father? with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your being? See, because if you don't, what you have been told about the love of God, that it's unconditional, is completely wrong. What is the first word in this four-letter phrase? If. You have to make a choice. If you love me, keep the commandments, namely my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will send you another comforter, that it may be with you throughout the age. Another thing you're going to learn. There's no such thing as the Trinity. Now, that's going to make a lot of people mad. But it's the power of God. See? Now, you need our book that we're sending out. The Holy Spirit. The power of God, a scriptural perspective, not what men think. So I'll give you a little challenge right here. Read the first two or three verses in every epistle of the Apostle Paul, and you ask the question and see if you can answer it. Can you find any reference to the Holy Spirit as being a separate God being in a trinity, and the answer is no. So how do we get to trinity in what is called Christianity today? Because men brought in lies, and they want to have a trinity. And little do most people today ever understand is that that goes back to paganism. Okay? That it may be with you throughout the age, even the spirit of the truth. 
Will the Holy Spirit inspire something not true? No. It's impossible because it's the power of God coming from God, and God cannot lie. Okay. Even the spirit of the truth which the world cannot receive because it perceives it not, nor knows it, but you know it because it dwells with you and shall be within you. Okay. Now then. That's another whole study. But you see what is happening, which is this. When you go by the scriptures, That tells you the truth, which cuts across all of the presumptions and lies and false doctrines of men. Okay. Now notice again what Jesus said. First person to the apostle. Verse 21. The one who has my commandments. See. Now, if you believe the commandments are done away, you don't have the commandments. If you believe the Sabbath was for the Jews only, you believe the biggest lie possible. And the Jews are happy to have you believe that because they know that what you do is following paganism. But the problem is they don't know what they're doing because those who are Jews reject the true Jesus Christ are without Christ. Okay, let's read that again. The one who has my commandments and is keeping them. That is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me shall be loved by my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Okay. Now, how's God going to do that? Well, if you're truly seeking for God, you'll find him. And you will begin to understand the word of God, and then Christ will send the Holy Spirit of God to be with you so you can come to understanding and repentance so that you can be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit of God. Because You can't receive the Holy Spirit of God unless you're baptized, and you cannot receive the Holy Spirit unless you are keeping the commandments of God. And that's how you love God. All right? Let's read on. Verse 23, because Judas, who wasn't Iscariot, wanted to know, Lord, how are you going to do that? So, Jesus answered it. Now listen carefully. These next two verses are some of the most important in the Bible. For understanding Jesus, for understanding the Father, for understanding what you need to do, for understanding how you can have your mind opened to understand the truth. Or how you can have your mind closed so you won't understand it. Okay? Verse 23, Jesus answered him and said, If anyone loves me, now think about that. So you ask the question yourself, do you really love God? 
with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your being? Huh? Really? Okay. He will keep my word. Now that means his whole message. Now, stop and think about this. Who was Jesus? Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. And that's what John wrote in the very first two verses of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And nothing came into being that he did not bring it into being. Do you believe that? Do you really want to understand the Word of God? Do you really want to understand the mystery that we're going to show you today that reveals what is God going to do with all of the dead? All right, let's go on. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father. Now notice, do you want the love of God the Father? What does it say you need to do? Keep the word of Jesus Christ. And that means Old Testament, New Testament. Okay. And my Father, the great sovereign of the universe. Think about that. Think about how important true Christianity really is because it connects you with God's spirit to God the Father. Now think about that. My Father will love him and we, Christ and the Father, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Now that means that you will have the Spirit of God from the Father, which then is the Spirit of salvation and sonship, combined with the Spirit of Christ, because there are two parts to the Holy Spirit, which then will give you the mind of Christ. Philippians 2.5. All right? Now, Let's read verse 24, all right? Let's see what it says. The one who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Do you believe that? Do you understand that? Let's take a break, and we will come back and then we will begin to answer the question, the great mystery of God revealed concerning the dead. What is God going to do? Now let's continue on with a great mystery of God revealed. And let's come to the book of Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation is the last book in the Bible, and it's one of the most difficult to understand unless you're doing the things that we have covered already first. That you're loving God, you're keeping his commandments, you're living by every word of God. He's not going to give you understanding if you don't. But if you 
do. And if right now you're hearing this for the first time, set aside everything that you have been taught or think that you have been taught or that you supposed in your own mind. Now, Jesus wants us to know this. Okay? Let's come here to chapter 1, verse 11, where Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega. That's the first letter of the Greek alphabet and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. And the New Testament was preserved in Greek. Not in Aramaic and not in Hebrew. Old Testament was preserved in Hebrew. The first and the last. And he was before the first and brought the first. And he's going to bring the last. Same way with the word of God. And here's what he told John. And what you see right in a book. Okay? And then send it to the seven churches. All right? Now let's come forward all the way to chapter 20. Okay? Now then, this talks about the return of Christ and the resurrection of the saints. No one had gone to heaven. Those who have died in Christ will be raised from the dead. That's what God shows. And the spirit of man that is now with God, waiting to be put into a spirit mind and spirit body is called the spirit of the just perfected. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Okay. And it's going to be by the resurrection. Now then, we're going to learn something very important here. And very startling indeed, if you've never understood it and never read it. Revelation 20. Okay? The first thing that's going to happen when Christ and the saints return to the earth, from what the Bible shows, is a great sea of glass that is going to be in the atmosphere above the earth. And all of the saints will be raised and come to that sea of glass. Now, you need to go online and download the messages that we bring concerning Pentecost because the day of Pentecost pictures the first resurrection. And it occurs on the day of Pentecost because all of those in the first resurrection we will see are the first fruits of God. But, Let's read what it says here in Revelation 20, okay? Now, first of all, concerning Satan the devil, verse 1, Then I saw an angel descending from heaven, having the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. 
And he took hold of the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. You've heard of the millennium? Satan is going to be bound. He will not be on the earth tempting and seducing people any longer for a thousand years. Okay. And he cast him into the abyss and locked him up and sealed the abyss over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were fulfilled. And we'll talk about that a little later. Okay. And after that, he's loose for a short season. Okay. Now, verse 4. The saints will be resurrected. Everyone from Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all the patriarchs, all of those in the Old Testament who qualified, all be raised along with all the saints from the churches. All right, let's read it here. And pay special attention to it. Verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus, and for the word of God, and for those who did not worship the beast, nor his image, nor received the mark in their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Okay? Now then, we're living in the last times, and this of the mark of the beast is close at hand. So now's the time to pay attention to the word of God. Now's the time to make your life right with God. Okay? But notice this. See? Notice this. Pay careful attention to these words. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were completed. Huh. That's another resurrection. If you live again, right? Isn't that a resurrection? And we will see that even in the Old Testament, this was prophesied to be. And this begins to unlock the mystery. What is God going to do with all the people that died? Okay. What about those who never committed the unpardonable sin? Now, the unpardonable sin is to give yourself wholly over to Satan the devil in his way and refuse to believe God and refuse and reject the Spirit of God. Now, we'll talk about those a little bit later. But it says, notice, and the rest of the dead did not live again. This shows they live one life, right? So this shows they're going to have another life, right? All right, let's put this together now. Until the thousand years were completed. Now then, for those who are raised and come to rule and reign as kings and priests, 
That's the first resurrection, which is what he says here in verse 5. This is the first resurrection. Those that he saw receiving judgment. Now notice this, verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Now what does that tell us? If there was only one resurrection, he would say the resurrection, right? But this tells us there's more than just one resurrection. Why? Because it says the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years are completed. Okay? So here it is concerning the first resurrection. Now let's read that again, verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Okay? Now why? They're called blessed and holy. Why? Because they now are spirit beings with a spirit mind, and they are the sons and daughters of God, as it shows us in the last verse of First Corinthians, the sixth chapter. Okay? Spirit beings, because you go clear back to Genesis, the first chapter, and it says, and God made them male and female in his image and after his likeness. Okay? And that is carried right on down, right on down through time. And no one can change that. Okay? Now notice what else it says. Over these, the second death has no power. Now what is the second death? Well, we'll talk about it here in a little bit. But, second death means you have to live twice. Is that not true? How can you have a second death unless you've already died once and come back to life and then have a second death? Okay. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. Okay? Now then, let's talk about the resurrection. The first resurrection. And then we will talk about what we can call the second resurrection, which takes place at the end of of the thousand years. And that we will see will include all who never had an opportunity for salvation. That is the great mystery revealed. So we'll see that. Hang on. We've got a lot to learn. Now then, after Satan is loosed, there's a final battle. And all of those who were in that battle were instantaneously executed by fire coming down from heaven from God. Okay. After that, this is at the end of the millennium. Okay. Now, 
Notice what it says here. Okay, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and the one sitting upon it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and no place was found for them. Okay. And I saw the dead, the rest of the dead. Isn't that what he said up here? But the rest of the dead do not live again until the thousand years were completed. Verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. That means they were resurrected. They are living. All that have lived and died. but never had a chance for salvation. Okay. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. Now the book of life is open for them. Now as we're going to see, they will live another life in the flesh for their first opportunity for salvation. Maybe you've never heard of that. So hang on. See, the truth of God reveals the truth of what he's doing. The traditions of men and the philosophies of men and the lies of religion can never teach you the truth. All right? And the dead were judged out of the things written in the books according to their work. Now they have a new life. Now they have to start all over again. Now they have a chance for salvation, the first chance. This is not a second chance. Don't confuse that with a second chance. This is a first chance. But since they weren't given the chance in their first life, God is giving them a chance in a second life, see, because God is love and God is truth and God doesn't want any to perish. And so any that perish will be those who choose to reject God. Okay? All right. Now, let's come back here to 1 Corinthians 15 and let's see what Paul writes about the first resurrection. And then this will apply to those who will be in the second resurrection, but they will be physical again, as we will see. But they will have an opportunity for salvation, which they never had, which they never had. Okay? 1 Corinthians 15, and let's pick it up. In verse 20, Christ was the firstborn from the dead. Right? Yes. Okay. Little sidebar. To be born again does not mean to have an emotional experience. It means to literally be born from flesh, from death to spirit. And that's what we just read back there in Revelation 20. Okay. But now Christ has been raised from the dead and has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. 
For since by man came death, by man, that is Christ, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Now, how is God going to accomplish that? Don't we all die in Adam? Doesn't that go clear back to what God said to Adam and Eve after they sinned? God said to Adam, dust you are, and unto dust you shall return. Does not everyone face death? Yes. It doesn't matter from conception or to old age. Death is the death of the physical body. Okay? Now then, it says this, but each in his own order, Christ the first fruit, and after those that are Christ at his coming. That's the first resurrection. Afterward, the end comes. Now we'll have to put some other scriptures in there to fill out the rest of the dead. Okay? But here we have, come down here to verse 45. Okay? Now to verse 45, Paul writes, As it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. And that's exactly, and that means a living being. Okay? But the soul that sins that dies. Did Adam sin? Yes. Did he die? Yes. Okay? And the last Adam became an ever-living spirit. However, the spirit was not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. Okay. The first man is of the earth, made of the dust, Adam. The second man is the Lord from heaven, and as the one made of the dust, so also are all of those made of dust, every human being. Okay. And as is the heavenly one, so also are the, the heavenly, those who are in the first resurrection that we read. Now remember, the first resurrection. They will all be the sons and daughters of God the Father, resurrected to be eternal beings to start ruling the world with Christ for a thousand years. That's what we just read. Paul writes, As we have borne the image of the one made of dust, so also we will bear the image of the heavenly one. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery the mystery revealed, and we're going to show you the mystery of the second resurrection revealed. And this is going to be startling because God is going to take care of it. God is going to make sure that it will happen because God has the power through Jesus Christ to resurrect every human being that has ever been. That's why it says in Revelation 20 that there was no room standing before the great white throne. Okay? Why? Because that represents all of those who died without the true knowledge of God. 
all of those who lived out their lives under Satan the devil but did not commit the unpardonable sin. But they will be raised to a second physical life, which we will see in just a bit. Verse 51, concerning the first resurrection. Behold, I show you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we shall all be changed in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. This is the first resurrection. All right. Now then, let's begin to focus in on the second resurrection, which Revelation 20 tells us. Okay? Now, let's come back to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. So you see why you need the Old Testament. Okay. Now then, this talks about Israel. And Israel is a type then of all the other nations. First to the Israelites and then to the rest of the nations. Because under Christ... For the first resurrection, they're from all nations. Under Christ and all the saints, in the second resurrection, they're of all nations of all ages. But it's depicted by Israel first. And remember this, another great truth that you will not find in Protestantism and Catholicism is that Israel really consisted of 12 tribes, and they were never lost. Now, if you don't believe that, then get our book, America and Britain, their biblical origin and their prophetic destiny. And this will surprise you to understand that the 12 tribes of Israel never died out, nor were they absorbed into the tribe of Judah, the Jews. Okay? So it's talking about a great number of people down through history. And didn't the children of Israel go astray? And didn't they, didn't they worship other gods? Were they ever given a, an opportunity for spiritual salvation and to live as a spirit being in the kingdom of God? No. Why? Because God, God shows that there is that second physical life. So hold your place here in Ezekiel 37, and let's come back to the Gospel of John chapter 7. And this is when Jesus was there at the Feast of Tabernacles and the last great day. And here is a prophecy of Jesus concerning the last great day, which is the day that we are observing today. John, the seventh chapter. And this is quite a thing for us to understand because God is providing a way 
through this last great day and prophesied by Jesus right here that it opened salvation to everyone who had not received the opportunity for salvation. Verse 37, John 7. Now in the last day, that's this day, the eighth day, okay, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and called out saying, if anyone thirst, okay, let him come to me and drink. How can any, that, that applies to anyone. This is why there's that second resurrection. So all of those who never had a chance for salvation, as we will see in Ezekiel 37 in just a bit, will be given salvation. Now that's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing that God is going to do. This is a great mystery of God revealed in his word and prophesied of by Jesus here in John 7. The one who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit which those who believed on him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay? Now then. But Jesus is showing by the scripture that the Holy Spirit will be made available to those who never committed the unpardonable sin. Okay? Now, let's come back to Ezekiel 37, okay? And let's start in verse 1. Now, this becomes important to understand, and you follow through on this, okay? Here's Ezekiel, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones. Now, if there are bones, that means they lived once, right? Aren't there a lot of archaeological digs that they're doing now, and they find what? Bones, right? And they can tell by analyzing, was it a man or was it a woman? They can get pretty well guess what the age was, okay? But notice what Ezekiel was told to do. And this was a mystery to him until God explained it to him. All right? And he, he made me walk among them all around, and behold, very many were in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, you know. He didn't know. Can the bones live again? No, but the Spirit of God comes is going to be given and put into a new body. We will see that. Okay? Right here. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to those bones, 
Behold, I will cause breath to come into you and you shall live. Physical life again, right? They lived once, now they're going to live again in the flesh. Let's see it. And I will lay sin you upon you, bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. For what purpose? Next sentence. And you shall know that I am the Lord. They didn't know that in their first life, did they? No. Okay. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And as I watched, behold, the sinew and flesh came upon them, and skin covered them from above, but there was no breath in them. Okay? So again, God is showing this is a physical life to fulfill the prophecy of Jesus, that if anyone comes to him, they can find salvation. So they will have that opportunity. And it shows there in Isaiah 65 that when they're resurrected and brought back to life, they will live about a 100 years. And then they will have an opportunity to receive eternal salvation and become spirit being like all those in the first resurrection and all of those who received salvation during the millennium. This is a great thing. This is a great mystery. This is the most profound thing in the world to understand what God is going to do. Okay? Verse 9, And he said to me, Prophesy to the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. Isn't that what we read about there at the great white throne? Yes, the rest of the dead. This is it right here, to a second physical life for a first opportunity for salvation. And that is the great mystery that the religions of the world do not understand because they don't believe God. Verse 11, and he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel all the way down through time. From the time that they became the the children of God through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, down through all the centuries, they never were lost. We are the greatest collection of the children of Israel today, right here in America and the northwestern countries of Europe. They are those so-called lost ten tribes, the end-time descendants. Okay? Now then. What about all of those down through all time? Okay. Behold, they say, now they have consciousness. Now they knew, they knew that they died. So they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We ourselves are completely cut off. That's what happened to them. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God. Now listen very carefully to what God says. 
Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and will bring you in to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. See? They didn't before. Now then, they will know. And when I have opened your graves, O my people, and have brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, that's conversion. There's their opportunity for salvation. All of those who didn't know, who didn't serve God, but they hadn't committed the unpardonable sin. Okay. I shall put my spirit in you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land and you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and have done it. Okay. Now then, come over here to chapter 36 for, and let's see. Now, it talks about the same thing over here. Here's what they're going to do. Here's how conversion is going to come to them. Okay. Verse 31, Ezekiel 36. And you shall remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good, and you shall loathe yourselves. Repentance. In your own sight, for your iniquities and for your abominations. I do not do this for your sake, says the Lord God, be it known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, in the day that I cleanse you from your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities, and the waste places shall be rebuilt. Okay? That's what's going to happen. They will have 100 years chance for salvation. Now, how do we know this is going to be for other nations as well? God wants all nations, okay? But he always starts with Israel. So let's come to Matthew, the 12th chapter, okay? Matthew 12. And here we find that it comes to all nations. Those who were never called in their lifetime. Those who never committed the unpardonable sin. They will be raised to a second physical life for their first opportunity for salvation. And that probably includes all of the murdered babies that were aborted. Were they not from conception, what they were to be? How far will God go? Well, it's going to be such a magnificent thing that it is mind-boggling for us to contemplate how great it will be. But notice what Jesus said here. Let's begin in verse 30. Matthew 12, verse 30. The one who is not with me is against me, and the one who does not gather with me scatters. Because of this I say to you, every sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men, 
except the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That's the complete rejection of the Holy Spirit and God the Father. That is the unpardonable sin. Okay? That shall not be forgiven men. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaks against the Holy Spirit and rejects it, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this age, now notice, nor in the coming age. We just read about that. After the thousand years, that extra 100 years, okay? Either make the tree good and the fruit good, or make the tree corrupt and the fruit corrupt, for a tree is known by its fruit. Now then, here's what he says. They wanted to know a sign. Give us a sign. So Jesus said there won't be a sign given to it except the sign of Jonah. Okay. Verse 40. For just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, in like manner the Son of Man shall be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Now notice this. The men of Nineveh, the Assyrians, shall stand up in the judgment with this generation, with, together. See, that's the great white throne judgment, where then the books of life is open so they have an opportunity for salvation, okay? And shall condemn it because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah, and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation. Time span greatly separated. Okay? So it shows together. This shows all human beings who have lived and died and not had an opportunity for salvation will be raised and given that opportunity for salvation to enter into the kingdom of God. And that's what the word of God shows, this great revelation of God, the mystery of God that the world does not understand. Okay, but notice what he says. The queen of the south shall rise up with this generation and shall condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Okay? So, that's what's going to happen. Now, let's come back here to Revelation 20, and let's read that again. Here it is. Revelation 20 and the great white throne judgment. Okay? Verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and the one who was sitting on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, of every nation, of every language, down through every time span of the history of mankind, because God is going to do a greater work than men can, cannot even comprehend. Even though we read these words, we can understand them to a certain extent. But what is the fulfillment of that going to 
be like, to undo every evil, to forgive every sin except the unpardonable, and to receive salvation. Okay? There it is. They were resurrected from every place in the earth and out of the sea. Verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Okay? That's a new life, a new beginning, no sins remembered. They repent of what they did in their first life. They receive the Holy Spirit of God. Then they enter into the kingdom of God. Afterwards, we find in Isaiah 65, a hundred years. All change. The family of God, the whole thing concerning God is expanded greatly with what God is doing. So this is the mystery of God revealed by his word, by his truth, can't be understood by just thinking about it as human beings. Okay? Now then, after that will come a new heaven and a new earth. And so, this is where it will be. Let's read just a few verses in Revelation 21. John writes this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now all spiritual, for all who enter into the kingdom of God, magnificent, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Peter writes that it everything is going to be melted, all the elements and there will be no need for the sea because we will be all spirit beings. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now notice what happens next. God the Father himself comes down. Let's read it. And I heard a great voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God, which is new Jerusalem, is with men, and that's men and women made perfect through the power of the resurrection and transformation by the Holy Spirit of God. And he shall dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. That's how God is going to save the world, through Jesus Christ. That's how it's going to be. This is the great mystery of God revealed. That God is going to undo everything every work of the devil, undo every work of man, and give salvation to everyone who is willing to repent and come to the knowledge of the truth and be converted. So that is the mystery revealed.
Now let's continue on because there's still more that's coming. Going to be fantastic, and we'll see it the rest of Revelation 21 and 22. Okay. Verse 4. And God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall not be any more death nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, because the former things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Now, new Jerusalem, everything, all of God's plan, now the whole family of God is going to participate in it in a great and a marvelous way. And who knows what the plan of God is going to be. See, that is yet in the future. And he said to me, write, these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I've finished the plan. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the one who thirsts, I will give freely of the fountain of the water of life. The one who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. That's amazing. Quite an amazing thing. And then he shows New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, a great and beautiful almost incomprehensible for its size and its beauty and its wonder. So we see this here in the rest of Revelation 21. And it lists it all. It describes it in great detail about the gates, about the wall, about the length of the city, the height of the city, and all of the precious stones, the 12 precious stones, about the apostles' names, about the 12 tribes of Israel's name, and about the 12 gates to come into the city. Okay? Verse 22. Revelation 21, verse 22. And I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun or of the moon. doesn't mean they aren't there, because they will be there. But it just means that they have no need, because God is here. Okay? That they should shine in it, because the glory of God enlightens it, and the light of it is the Lamb. And the nations that are saved, we just covered that. All the nations, down through all time. Those who are saved, see, shall walk in the light of it and the kings of the earth, that's all of us, will be kings and priests forever, okay, shall bring their glory and honor into it, and the gates shall never be shut by day, for there is no night there, okay, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. So whatever that means, we don't know exactly how that's going to be, but it's going to be spiritual indeed. What a thing this is going to be. And nothing, no more sin, no more defiling, no more Satan the devil, no more corruption, okay? Nothing that defiles shall ever enter into it, nor shall 
anyone who practices an abomination or devises a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. All right. Now then, we have in chapter 22 a close insight. What is it going to be like to be there? And that we will be able to see God the Father face to face. Now think about that. That also is a great mystery of God. Chapter 22, verse 1. Then he showed me a pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing out from the throne of God and of the Lamb, coming right out from God. Eternal power, eternal life, eternal cleanness, eternal righteousness, okay? And in the middle of the street, and on this side and on that side of the river, was the tree of life producing 12 manner of fruits, each month yielding its fruit, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. That, now that means whatever it is to keep us all yielding to God and having no sin, okay? And there was no more curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face. And his name is in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, for they have no need of a lamp or light of the sun, because the Lord God enlightens them, and they shall reign into the ages of eternity. So what is that going to be like? What is eternity going to be like? If you see some of these pictures of the universe and the stars and the, in the heavens and what they are now, either with a Hubble telescope or with a James Webb telescope, that helps you understand that God's plan is so great and so mighty and so powerful and so loving and so marvelous indeed that all we can do is say, yes, Lord, and bow down and worship him and serve him and love him through all eternity. Yes, indeed. Okay. Verse 6, and he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things that must shortly come to pass. And that is on God's time, shortly come to pass. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And that means the whole Bible. Okay. Now I, John, was the one who saw and heard these things, and when I heard I, and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who was showing me these things. And the angel said, See not that you do this? No angel worship? No. We worship God. That's what he said. For I am a fellow servant of yours, and your brethren, the prophets, and those who keep the words of, of the book. Worship God. 
And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, because the time is near. In other words, when the time to understand these words, as we have now, that means the end is near, and Christ is coming, and we will be in the kingdom of God. All right? Let's finish this. Let the one who is unrighteous be unrighteous still. And let the one who is filthy be filthy still. And let the one who is righteous be righteous still. And let the one who is holy be holy still. Aren't we called blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection? Yes, indeed. Behold, I'm coming quickly. And my reward is with me to render to each one according as his work shall be. Those are all the good works of love and obedience and faithfulness and commandment keeping and complete yieldedness and conversion to God. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed, listen, blessed are those who keep his commandments that they may have the right or the authority to eat of the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. That's the blessing. Now he gives another warning so that we understand that while we're still in the flesh, we better not backslide. We better not give up on God. We better draw close to him in prayer and study and yieldedness to him to have our hearts and minds completely converted with his spirit and love written in our hearts and in our minds with his commandments and laws. But excluded are dogs and sorcerers and fornicators and murderers, and idolaters, and everyone who loves and devises a lie. No more lie, because God cannot, it's impossible for God to lie. And it will be impossible for us to lie. Now think of that. So notice the closing. I, Jesus, sent my angel to testify these things to you in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and shining star. The spirit and the bride say, come. That's what we'll do all during the millennium and all during the great white throne judgment. Come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who thirst come. And let the one who desires to partake of the waters of life freely. For I jointly testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, that if anyone adds to these things, God shall add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And that means the whole Bible. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God will take away his part from the book of life and from the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. 
That's why we need to always hold on to the words of God. Okay? Now notice the final closing. Here's John. He's seen all of these things. He's completely overwhelmed with it. He is just, how shall we say, beyond able to describe it. So he says, He who testified these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. So John writes, Even so come, Lord Jesus, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So that is the great mystery of God revealed. Thank you for coming to the feast. And when you go back home, keep all these words close in your heart and in your mind. Thank you.